you know, let's not just talk about, wow, we've built a wonderful road or we've built a new energy facility. You know, that gets people motivated to a certain point. But actually, let's talk about the difference that this infrastructure is going to make. So how many jobs is it going to create? How much clean energy is it going to provide? How many homes are we going to power? How much congestion are we going to remove? And actually, that's when you really get people motivated and behind what it is we were trying to do. Hi, I'm Belded Mankus. Welcome to The Purposeful Strategist. The podcast that shifts the conversation about purpose and strategy from what organizations should do to what business leaders are doing and what they've learned along the way. In this episode, I'll be joined by Alex Vaughan, CEO of Costain Group, one of the UK's leading sustainable infrastructure solutions companies. Alex describes how it became clear during the development of their strategy that the first implementation step was to make sure everyone in the organization understood the narrative for the business. He also shares how a more inclusive approach to strategy development has allowed him, as CEO, to shift from personally driving the strategy to setting the conditions for success and then challenging the organization as a critical and supportive friend to go even faster. Alex, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us here on The Purposeful Strategist. Um, You're the Chief Executive Officer of Costain, PLC. Um, Could you maybe get us started just by telling us a bit about yourself and a bit about the organization? Yeah, and Bowden, thanks very much for the opportunity. So um, I'm the Chief Exec of Costain, as you said. I've been with the company for 31 years I joined the company as a trainee quantity surveyor and then progressed through the business working overseas and number of management roles, including at times being the group HR director and the group head of strategy, but as well as being managing director for the business. And Costain is an engineering and construction company operating in the UK We're focused on the infrastructure market and the markets that we are targeting and delivering in and working with clients for our transportation, water, energy and defence. As I said, UK business, we're listed on the London Stock Exchange and we've been in existence for over 155 years with a very proud heritage. Mm -hmm. It sounds to me like you're kind of at the heavy end of construction, if I could put it that way. Yeah, so as a business, we're actually involved in quite a broad range of activities. So, you know, we're one of the partners on delivering HS2, which is the UK's largest infrastructure scheme. But we're also a business that provides uh, consultancy support to a number of clients right across our markets as well. So quite a broad range of capabilities. Great. We're going to get into sort of the the organization's purpose and its strategy and how you got to those in, in a minute. But before we even get into that, that word purpose, you know, can mean different things to different people. When you think about it, what is it? You know, how would you define it? And how is it related to things like mission and vision? Yeah, so we've set a purpose for the organization, which is really why the company exists and what is it that we want to achieve. And our purpose is very simply to improve 
people's lives. And that's really the guiding light that when we make decisions about what markets we should operate in, what should we try and do, we come back to, does that help us achieve the purpose of improving people's lives? So that's fundamental. And then off that, we've built our vision and mission for the organization. Mm-hmm. When you think about purpose, do you tend to think of it as something that's sort of fixed? The way it gets expressed may change a bit, but you know, it's sort of kind of unvarying, or does it need to change as the circumstances change? I think we've tried to keep ours sort of fairly simple. I think shorter is the best. And it's endured. If I look at our business, um, whilst it's fairly new, if I look back at our business, I think it fits the heritage of the business, you know, in delivering infrastructure. I think everyone would want that infrastructure to be something that is going to make people's lives better. So I think it resonates with people. Now you can broaden it to turn around and go, okay, well, the work we're doing in hydrogen to transition and safeguard the planet is definitely going to improve people's lives. So I think having a purpose that is very simple but has the ability to be broadened, I think if you went too detailed on your purpose, then you know that's where you'd have to keep looking at, well, how do we update it? How do we change it? You know, Ours is three very simple words that come together, very, very powerful, and we're able to navigate throughout the business by looking at that purpose. Um, and it's a big thing when we're attracting staff to join the business. You know, people, especially in today's society, people want to be a force for good. And I think joining an organization who is setting out that our goal is to improve people's lives is something that people really resonate with. Mm-hmm. So how did you go about developing that? Who got involved? How long did it take? Those sorts of things. When we looked at the strategy of the business and we looked at what we were doing, we sort of sat back, you know, in the days before businesses have a purpose and it suddenly became the why a company exists. So we started with the exec board in starting to shape well, what did we think the purpose should be for the organization. And we held a number of workshops and developed that. And we then engaged with a number of our employee groups to turn around and and just make sure it resonated with them. And we went through an engagement and we also engaged with our clients as well, just to turn around and go, look, you know, if we described our purpose of this, would you recognize Costain today? And would you recognize the Costain that we're targeting to become in the future? And out of that engagement, we came back. And I think that's quite important because what you want is ownership of it from everyone. You know, this doesn't want to be an edict that comes from head office that people go, well, what on earth are they talking about? And I think people really like it. And we've done the same for the vision and mission that we've developed after that. Mm-hmm. When you sort of involving the employee groups, how did all that happen? So we've got different groups throughout the organization. So we've got a group called like Your Voice. We've got the EDI committee. We've got the Frontline Supervisors Forum. We've got the Contract Leaders Forum. So we've got a number of forums that exist. And obviously, They sometimes meet physically and certainly during the pandemic when we were doing this work, they were meeting virtually. And we had um, one of our executives uh, came along and sort of chaired the session and we then had the engagement sessions with them. So they were well prepared. And then what we asked them to do is those representatives then went back into the business that they represented and discussed it with their teams. And then we came back in the next meeting and they gave us the feedback on, okay, you know, how did it resonate? So it was quite a deep engagement. If you think that, 
you know, we engage with these groups who are then engaged with the 4,000 people in the business and then it comes back and you get the feedback. So so that's been really good. You know, it's it's landed really well. People have really valued being taken on the journey and being asked to be part of it. And so once that then came back, what did you do with all that feedback? How did that sort of go forward to land where you are now? We then obviously, as an executive, we came and we looked at that. You know, we had a consultancy business working with us that was helping us on this. So experts who have been through the process. And the purpose was very simple, actually, because everyone loved what we came up with. There were very few suggestions on how we could make it better. So that was easy. The vision and mission were a lot more complicated when we got to that. That then needed us to sort of reflect and think about it and go through another cycle, which we did. And then we went back and fed back to all of those groups again to say, well, look, thanks very much for your feedback. This is what we've now decided to come up with. And that's where you step in as leaders and you say, right, this is what we're going to do. That's what we rolled out. And we obviously took the main board, the PLC board, the non-exec directors through that process in the same way we did all of the staff, just to make sure that they were recognizing the business as we wanted to see it. Mm. You mentioned you used some outside advisors. What was their role in all of this? So their role was that, you know, they help businesses go through this. You know, that's professionally what they do day in, day out. So, you know, just advising us how we might go about thinking about it, you know, helping you turn complexity into simplicity. Because, you know, when someone turns around and says, well, what's the purpose? You can end up rambling on for about two minutes. These consultants are very good at helping you right well let's get it simple you know what do you really mean and then being able to test a number of different hypotheses or a number of different ideas and helping you get there and so that's what they they were good at but it was definitely what played out was our words and our passion and our ambition that came out so um, it was really challenging at times I've got to say you know it's quite hard to get consensus because I think one of the other things that's a challenge for us in that process is you've got people like me that have been with the company 30 years that feel very attached to the business and then obviously you've got a lot of new people who have come from different organizations and that inclusive style of making sure that we've got something that works for everyone but also that it's relevant for the business. So if I turn around today and went to any member of staff and said, do you recognize Costain today as a business that improves people's lives? The good news is they could give me a thumbs up and go, yes. But it's also got to be future proof that if we look at where we want to take the business, we then stress test and turn and go, right, does that really describe the business we want to become? Otherwise, you're going to get yourself in all sorts of difficulty. If I've got it right, there was sort of two waves. If you take the purpose, the mission, and the vision all together, one of which you sort of went out to the groups, they then went further out in the organization, came back, pulled that together. And then on the mission and vision, then you said, hmm, we probably need to make some changes here. Let's think that through. And then took that revised version back out and again. How long did all of that take? Oh, blimey. That took, um, that took about three months a lot of work you know the purpose was very quick that was very simple the vision and mission became a little bit more challenging and then we drafted a narrative three paragraphs of the narrative and that was really difficult because you get into huge discussions about one word and what do we really mean by that word and that's why it took us three months really to get through it 
And it's not something you should rush. This is a really important thing that you're doing for the business, that you're really helping every single person understand what is it that we want to be and what is it we are and what's our ambition. Because otherwise, if someone's sitting there, especially a client, if they're sitting there and they just scratch their head and they don't understand what you are, which is why it was important to connect with them, then it makes the whole sales process really hard because they're like going, well, I don't really understand what it is you think you are. So some of it was actually a process internally of clarifying who you were. Our strategy is a bit different to a lot of organizations. You know, we believe that we're creating a new type of company. You know, we're a, a leading construction company in the infrastructure market, but we're also a growing consultancy business within the infrastructure market. And in addition to that, we want to be a breakthrough digital business operating in the infrastructure market. And that's because we want to transform the performance of infrastructure and safeguard the future of the planet. So to do that, we think we need to be a very different type of company. And therefore, getting the purpose, vision and mission right was really important when We're not simply turning around going, right, all we're going to be is a construction company. We've made it a bit more complicated, which is why when we did the strategy work, actually the narrative was the priority thing that we had to get right. You know, above which markets do you choose and all the rest of it, it's turning around and going, right, you've got to get your narrative right so that everyone in the business can understand how they fit in the organization and the value of the role they play. That's really important. And then, as I said, your clients. And we actually, we took our investors on the journey as well. So the clients and the investors go, yes, that's the business I recognize because you're now using the language in the right way. Mm -hmm. How does the purpose, this sort of improving people's lives, connect to that strategy that you just laid out? But just be useful to kind of hear a bit of how the pieces fit together when we looked at the strategy the first thing you've got to look at what type of business are we and who are we and then you look at the markets and then you look at right which are the best markets that we should target so that we've got enough opportunity to grow and develop the business and then we looked at right how can costane compete what's our competitive advantage in that market how are we going to breed and build competitive advantage in the market. And that comes back to the strategy. When I look at, and when the business looks at our strategy, what we've got to focus on to truly unlock the power of our team is, you know, let's not just talk about, wow, we've built a wonderful road or we've built a new energy facility. You know, that gets people motivated to a certain point. But actually, Let's talk about the difference that this infrastructure is going to make. So how many jobs is it going to create? How much clean energy is it going to provide? How many homes are we going to power? How much congestion are we going to remove? And actually, that's when you really get people motivated and behind what it is we were trying to do. Mm. So we can sit there with a strategy that we're going to you know, shape, create, and develop infrastructure to improve the productivity of infrastructure and save the planet, right? That's great. But actually, when you bring that to life and turn and go, all of this is about making people's lives better. That's when it becomes really powerful. And I think that's how it connects. It really unlocks that desire in people to really want to make a difference. And if we look at our clients, that's exactly how our clients describe themselves. I mean, if you look at a water company, 
you know, they'll be there to turn around and make sure that they're providing the cleanest water to the local population so that that occupation is safe and is able to enjoy and get the best out of life. I think I see where being a leading construction company fits, as well as the growing consultancy business. Could you say a bit more about the role the breakthrough digital element plays? Well, there's two parts to how digital fits with us. So one is to improve and step change the way we deliver infrastructure. We're using a lot more data around the infrastructure. And we're also using items like connected autonomous plants. So we've got projects where we've got plants operating on the site that doesn't rely on people making a decision. You know, the plant has got data in it that allows it to excavate exactly to the right level, to exactly the right profile, and to move around the site in the best way possible. So we use digital technology to turn around and really step change the way that we deliver infrastructure. But then also what we're beginning to see more and more is that actually the solution we provide doesn't have to be how you build it. It's about how's it going to be operated. We've got contracts now where, as part of the contract, we provide a digital twin of the asset. So once we've built it, the client has that digital twin that they can then manage the operations. And that allows our client to optimize the performance and make sure that we get the very best out of infrastructure. And why is that so important? Well, On average, at the moment, infrastructure, once it's been built and is being used for a few years, generally operates only at 70% of the productivity that it was designed to do. Therefore, what the digital twin and, you know, sensors, etc. allow us to do is get that asset operating at 110% of what it was designed to do because we can optimise the performance by understanding its relative performance better and we're able to model well what scenarios could we do to drive better productivity so it's not digital for digital sake it's digital because it's going to improve performance and that's what's really important what you're talking about there certainly i find really interesting is this this sort of 70 percent to 110 what's a sort of practical example that a layman like me could kind of get my head around Let's take a water treatment plant um, as an example. So that will have been built. It will have been designed to achieve certain outcomes. You know, perhaps that water treatment plant hasn't been maintained as it should, okay? And therefore, it breaks down a bit more, only operating at a lower capacity. And that's because, you know, the operational team could be fairly stressed and they don't know that the asset has got a problem and they haven't got the time to come and check every single asset. You know, a a water company will have thousands of assets. So how do you keep an eye on all of those? And also sometimes, you know, when it breaks down, someone rather than go and fix the problem that might be expensive, someone goes and puts in place a cheaper workaround. So you just think, okay, well, rather than replace that pump, what I'll do is I'll change the configuration and change the way it operates. Sure. So what I hear you saying is it allows you to kind of optimize across the system rather than component by component. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And this is all about the system because the whole process of systems thinking is you've got to look at it a sort of microcosm in itself and turn around and go, right, actually, it's all the interlinked parts because one water plant might be operating fine 
but another one upstream might be operating over capacity and another one might be operating under capacity. So yes, absolutely. Yeah. When we were talking about the purpose and the mission and the vision, there was sort of this kind of two-wave, two-cycle process you went through. In terms of clarifying the strategy, how did all that work? Again, who got involved? How long did it take? So when it came to the strategy, we started with Obviously, the leadership team, so the exec board, starting with a a top-down, what is it we think we want to achieve? Um, Where do we want to take the business? A plan for how you're going to meet short, medium, and long-term gains. We set out that plan. So having done a sort of top-down view, we then asked the business to do a bottom-up view. So we then turned and said, okay, well, let's stress test this hypothesis So the hypothesis is that these markets present enough opportunity with these services that these are what the clients want to buy and this will allow us to significantly grow the business. So we then developed that hypothesis and then we did a bottom-up. So we got the the client teams to turn around and go, right, let's have a look at the addressable market. Let's look at the propensity of the clients to buy, differentiation of costain, And they then came up. We then brought the two together. So you had the top-down hypothesis and thinking together with the bottom-up work. And over a period, so last year, in the first quarter of the year, we did the um, top-down, bottom-up thinking. And then in the second quarter, we developed a detailed business plan, which was, right, how do we really substantiate that? Um, And then that came together in the third quarter with a solid implementation plan of, right, how are we going to make that happen? Because at the end of the day, a strategy is lovely, but it's all about how you're going to implement it. You know, how are you going to really make it happen? And um, one of the lessons that we learned on the implementation was the previous year, we tried to do everything and you can't, you will fail, you know. So we really stress tested ourselves about, you know, what capacity for change we've got in the organisation and therefore, Let's limit ourselves on the really important implementation priorities. Whilst everyone's excited and ambitious to do everything, you can't. Just to kind of get the sequence right, you had, if I've got it right, sort of three quarters moving from, you know, sort of top down, bottom up, business plan, implementation. Where did the purpose fit sort of alongside that? Did that come before, come after, in parallel? Yeah, so the purpose work happened after the first quarter. So the first quarter was to determine the strategy. And then actually, one of the things that surprised me was actually, there's some very fundamental things that we need to get right. That's because when we did the bottom up and the top down, the feedback we were getting from the teams was, I don't think we're clear enough on the narrative. Um, and consistent enough. So that came as one of the implementation actions that we needed to do. The second one was that the operating model, this makes us a very complicated business and we're more complicated than we could be. So let's fix that. So that was the second um, task to do. And then the third one was what behaviours of the leadership do we need to deliver this strategy? So that was really thinking about, right, this is a very different strategy to other businesses. Therefore, what is it we want the leadership to do and to act throughout the organization? So, you know, coming out of that first quarter, we arrived at those three as being really important implementation activities. So when we were then developing the business plan concurrently, we did this other work that I've talked about. Mm-hmm. And again, sort of parallel to the discussion about 
the work you did on purpose. Did you use an outside advisor for that, or do you have an in-house strategy team, or was it just sort of the exec team driving it? How, how did all that work? At the very start, we did engage an advisor, but it was quite a light touch. So all the market analysis we did ourselves, and we did that from first principles of our understandings of the clients and the evaluation of our competitive advantage we did ourselves. So we did all of that ourselves under someone giving us a framework to operate. But I think the important bit that the advisors helped us with was a health maturity assessment of how well-placed are we to be able to deliver the strategy. And that's what we came up with, the narrative, the operating model, etc. So you, you talked about one or two things that were surprising along that journey. What, if anything, was difficult in it? I think the difficult thing was sort of how much analysis is enough analysis, because um, you can go into huge depth, but at the end of the day, you know, there's a line that's enough, and then you can move forwards in confidence. And I think the other difficult thing is, what are you going to stop doing? You know, strategy is about choices. You know, we've got choices of things that we want to do, but there's also the things that we're not going to do anymore. I think that's probably the most difficult bit because that's quite personal to a lot of people. Mm. And throughout all of this, what's the impact been on your leadership team? Are they in a different place, you know, kind of having gone through all of this together? What's been really great is, you know, when I took over as chief executive three years, the strategy was very much my strategy. The board backed and said, right, that's what we want. So the process we went through made it the executive strategy and also the senior leadership team strategy. And I think that's really important. You know, it allowed everyone to have a real clear understanding of which markets are we going to operate in and why have we chosen those markets versus others. So everyone's aligned with that decision. And then it was, right, what is our competitive advantage today and what is it going to be and how are we going to build a stronger competitive advantage? And everyone got behind that. And then everyone got behind, right, this is where we're going to take the organisation, the growth we're going to achieve, the ambition that we've got to increase profitability and margins, and then how we were going to do it. So it moved from being very much the CEO's strategy, which the CEO's very excited about, but a lot of other people understand it in different ways and some scratching their heads going, I'm not sure. It moved from that to being our strategy, and that's really powerful. Uh, And that's allowed me to step back a lot more. You know, previously, I was probably driving the strategy personally really hard. Now I've got to a place that I'm able to turn and go, right, my job has been, I've set the strategy, the team are bought in, we've got the right team, let's get on and deliver it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you sort of touched on anyway, the impact it's had on you, at least in terms of the role you can play. Was there anything else you might say that you feel is different or that you've learned along the way? I think some of the things that's different is when you've gone through and you've done the depth of work we did, you then have a look at your leadership team and you start to evaluate, actually, is this the team for this strategy? And that led to a number of changes that I made just because I felt we needed to strengthen the team in certain areas. When I entered this strategy process, I didn't think that the first three implementation essentials would be narrative operating model and then behaviors and what was surprising to me and what's better for the organization is now that we've got the narrative everyone has got a common language for and everyone understands it which is great 
And then the operating model that we're still working on at the moment, it's going to make a massive difference to the effectiveness and efficiency of the organization. But that's difficult because we've still got some people that don't want to change the way we do things. We're going through another three-month process on finalizing the operating model. And again, we're doing the same thing of engagement. I'd underestimated you know, the importance of those bits of work. But now that we're doing that work, I'm really seeing the benefits of it. And the whole business is as well. And just thinking about kind of who you are as a person, if you could have taken either the purpose of the strategy further, is there more you'd have liked to see in it? Well, I think we've got a really good plan that we need to get on with. What we're starting to think about in the second half of this year is then, right, how can we accelerate that plan? You know, I'm ambitious to get there as soon as we can. I want to be the world leader in, you know, green energy, and I want to be the world leader that drives a total change in performance of infrastructure. You know, that's where we want to be. So we've got great plan. How do we accelerate getting there? What are we going to do to drive this even harder? So I think you've got to allow the team to sort of move in and develop it and start to implement it. And then, you know, my job is to be that critical friend and supportive friend that's turning around and going, right, how are we going to go even faster? You know, what have we got to do to get there? Hmm. Great. Um, any advice you might give to you know, other leaders who are wrestling with this whole issue of their organization's purpose and their strategy and how the two fit together? I think the advice I would give is on the purpose, keep it very simple. Make sure it resonates personally. You know, does it inspire you? Does it inspire your team? And then engage the team. And then on the strategy, it's all about implementation. And I think that's the really hard yards of a strategy. We've ended up setting up a, a PMO, so a program management office, to run it. And that's really to make sure we're not trying to do too much. And again, my other helpful hint is don't try and do too much. Do a small number of things really well rather than a large number of things not that well. Probably the first 18 months in my role I've just tried to do too much and the organization just can't cope with it. We've got five. In a whole year, we're going to do five things. That's all. So the strategy I've developed is making sure that you're not a commodity, but there is real differentiation around your product. I benefited from having done the advanced management program at Harvard, and we talked about this extinction value. Does your business have extinction value? And the competitive advantage is if your business no longer existed, would your clients miss you? You know, it's a really great way to think about, right, what is our real competitive advantage? Why do clients want us around? Why would they miss us? There's something about the phrase competitive advantage that that sort of puts my back up a little bit. But I like this idea of, you know, if we were missing, if we weren't here, what would people lack? What would they be thinking? Hmm, wouldn't it be great if somebody did X? If you weren't around and a client says, well, so what? then you haven't really got a competitive advantage, have you? You know, one of the things I always say when we tender for work is, I really want the client to want us before we've submitted the tender. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that's a great thought to kind of end on. Alex, thank you for joining us. I really, really appreciate the clarity you've brought to describing both the challenges and the benefits of the work you've done around purpose and strategy. Thanks a lot. It's been really good just to talk around this with you. So thank you.
Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Purposeful Strategist. Please email any questions or suggestions to belden at mancus.com. In addition to being available on our website, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. If you enjoyed this episode, we release a new episode weekly. Don't forget to subscribe. Thanks again, and join us soon for the next episode of The Purposeful Strategist. <laughs>